no matter which side you're on. And I look, I'm, I'm uh, if anyone who knows me will know that I have a lot of criticisms for Mr. Trudeau, but he didn't deserve to have rocks thrown at him. And that's not the way you express your political views. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of Beneath the Law. Gavin Tai here with my partner and friend, Stephen Teal. Uh, welcome. So glad to have you with us again. In our inaugural episode, we did talk about American law. We promise not to do that today, although we're always infected uh, with the wonderful pol- politics and legal analysis from our friends to the South. Um, today, we're going to talk about uh, our leaders uh, in Canada and the use of the legal process or the attempted use of the legal process uh, in Canada to collaterally or or, or indirectly gain political points. And I think that, uh, Stephen, we're going to talk about the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. And as I'm always reminded of this, um, in this particular instance, um, while many people have many names for Mr. Trudeau, as the saying goes, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. And in this particular instance, someone decided to take that quite literally and throw some rocks at our, um, and this not not figuratively, actually throw some rocks at our prime minister. Um, and I think everybody recalls that incident where it was, uh, I think the prime minister was getting off of a bus and there was a crowd of the usual uh, angry uh, protesters that, seem to show up everywhere, regardless of who it is, on which side of the political spectrum, uh, shouting and hurling insults. Um, the names would never hurt them, so this particular gentleman picked up a handful of gravel and decided to try the other side of the adage. Maybe you could give us a little bit more background on what happened after that. Yeah, so uh, uh, as you said, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was on a campaign stop in the federal election uh, uh, out in Western Canada. Uh, or sorry, yeah, it was not in Western Canada. It was, uh, I guess, it was in London, Ontario, if, if uh, uh, the location. But um, uh, while he was getting onto a uh, campaign bus, uh, you know, the chief executive officer of the People's Party of Canada, of you know, I'm going to call them a fringe rival party. They don't have any seats uh, uh, in our House of Commons. Uh, newly formed, uh, uh, decided to hurl some gravel or pebbles. Uh, at the Prime Minister and uh, struck him on the shoulder. Uh, that was uh, video recorded. Uh, there were still photographs uh, taken of the incident. Uh, police investigated, uh, and interestingly, in uh, in this circumstance, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau did not make a complaint uh, about being struck uh, with the gravel. Uh, the, uh, you know, Video and the photograph showed precisely what happened, uh, the direction of where the uh, gravel came from, and who actually threw the gravel. And the police investigated and uh, laid charges uh, 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 of assault with a weapon. Uh, by the way, so that that's you know kind of uh, uh, interesting. I guess uh, I guess gravel does uh, present a form of a weapon uh, being throw thrown at hard. somebody. <laughs> It's a blunt object, uh, uh, and uh, you know, admittedly, uh, the accused uh, 
uh, basically admitted right from the outset that uh, that he threw the uh, uh, gravel at the prime minister. But there's a process, and so uh, charges were laid. And, uh, you know, prior to trial, uh, the accused wanted to have the prime minister give evidence at his trial. And so he issued what was called a subpoena uh, uh, in our criminal system uh, to compel uh, Prime Minister uh, Trudeau to uh, uh, give evidence. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau uh, decided that he did not want to appear in court to give evidence, uh, and he decided to challenge uh, the subpoena. And just, uh, you know, uh, as a matter of the dry process uh, of issuing a subpoena, usually uh, what happens is a, a lawyer acting for somebody uh, will either go to a judge or, uh, in the case of uh, criminal law, to a justice of the peace to have uh, these subpoenas uh, issued. Uh, the lawyer will say, look, somebody's got uh, relevant or material evidence to give at the trial. And, uh, and uh, you know, the judge or the justice of the peace will simply sign off uh, uh, on the subpoena. Uh, but the fact that the subpoena exists uh, doesn't mean that it can't be challenged. And so uh, Prime Minister Trudeau decided to challenge the subpoena. Right. And, and in bearing in mind, of course, that, you know, a subpoena, particularly for an accused in a criminal trial, um, we generally give a fair amount of latitude to an accused to mount whatever defense uh, they think uh, may assist them. So if they want to call someone as a witness and they think that that will be um, something that will help their defense. Generally speaking, I think most courts would lean towards uh, a broad interpretation of what's relevant uh, rather than to say, no, you can't uh, get that evidence. You can't have that person testify. But I I agree that that was the, the purpose of a, the subpoena was allegedly to uh, be used in the defense of the accused. But as you, you pointed out, this particular accused clearly admitted uh, that he had thrown the rocks, uh, I think quite frankly, given the party he was a member of, he was probably pretty proud of it. And uh, probably with some of the, the people that he associates with would be seen as some sort of a hero uh, for, for doing that which they all probably secretly fantasized to do themselves. Um, so this was not anything about any of the merits of the case. There was no issue that the rocks had been thrown. There was no issue that the rock, that this guy was a pretty good shot and he had managed to land some of them on target. Uh, and I don't think there was also an issue, and, and, and to the prime minister's credit, I don't think he was injured by this. Um, and he did not, as you pointed out, he was not the one instigating the charges. So it raises the issue of what, would the relevance of that evidence possibly be, even on a very broad type of definition? And I don't think that the accused and his lawyer um, particularly helped themselves by talking to the media with the lawyer, sort of salivating, I can't wait to get the prime minister uh, under oath and cross-examining. One can only imagine where that was going and that it was being used as an opportunity to seek to score some political points. And I think the court, uh, to its credit, recognized that and refused to, to allow itself to be used for this purpose of the political motivations of an accused. Well, and, and it was a uh, very much a uh, uh, highly charged political um, election, 
right? It was uh, an election, uh, uh, you know, during COVID or, the you know, government had passed all these uh, restrictive measures uh, limiting mobility or requiring people to wear masks. Uh, and, you know, like any other kind of political debate, there are people on various uh, sides of the fence. And, uh, you know, the People's Party of Canada certainly was one of the uh, groups or parties uh, taking the position uh, that uh, there shouldn't be all of these restrictions. And so after the incident, uh, when Prime Minister Trudeau spoke to the media, he basically compared what was happening uh, with the, uh, uh, you know, the anti-vaxxers uh, and uh, those who were seeking uh, more freedoms uh, to equate the rock-throwing incident with, uh, with the views being expressed by, you know, at the time, uh, uh, a greater minority of people. I mean, I think as COVID evolved, we certainly saw more and more people wanting to move away from restrictions, but uh, certainly at the time during the election, uh, uh, we had a minority of folks uh, certainly fighting against uh, the government restrictions. And so what happened was, uh, in terms of uh, trying to justify that the summons shouldn't be quashed, uh, the accused was making all kinds of arguments that uh, it was actually Prime Minister Trudeau who had politicized the process. And it wasn't uh, uh, he who was uh, politicizing this, that, uh, you know, they made the argument that they had a legitimate interest. Um, and, you know, our, our show is uh, beneath the law here in terms of our podcast because nobody is above the law. And that was actually one of the arguments that the accused made, that the prime minister was not above the law and sh uh, uh, should not be trying to quash this subpoena and should be giving evidence in a court of law. Uh, uh, in his case. And, uh, you know, uh, we'll get into this a, a little bit more deeper in terms of um, parliamentary privilege, but that was uh, uh, one of the arguments that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau made, uh, not only that uh, the subpoena itself was political in nature um, and that he had no material evidence to give uh, with respect to these charges, uh, but that he was protected by a parliamentary privilege from testifying uh, in any event. Yeah, I think, but I think in, in fairness, I think that when you really back away from it, what the court did here was it refused to be baited uh, into what is a completely illegitimate position, starting with the following, regardless of whether or not people have political views or political grievances, legitimate or otherwise. Um, in that particular instance, as you mentioned, it was the People's Party and they were protesting against restrictions and the Freedom Convoy and all of these other, the Truckers Convoy, depending on which, how you want to call it. Um, but you don't express your viewpoint by throwing rocks at somebody. Uh, that has nothing to do with the expression of a legitimate political position. And that's really what the charge was about. The charge wasn't about why you threw the rocks and, oh, I was really angry and therefore I'm entitled to throw rocks. You're not entitled to throw rocks. And throwing rocks or assaulting somebody else is wrong regardless of why you do it. And the effort to conflate, frankly, the wrongful act, the criminal act of trying to assault someone with rocks or anything else uh, with the, well, I had a legitimate grievance against him because I didn't like the, the COVID policies that his government was instituting. It's just pure nonsense. 
Uh, and and that is precisely, I think, what the court was able to see through and not allow itself to become a grandstanding opportunity for uh, this, these people uh, so that their, their lawyer could cross-examine uh, Mr. Trudeau on the government's uh, COVID policy. Frankly, the government's COVID policy had absolutely nothing to do with the rock throwing. And whether that was connected uh, in the mind of this individual or not, if it was connected, it was uh, completely unreasonable to do so. And I think that in, in any society, we can't have a society where our political discourse lowers itself to the, well, if I don't like what you stand for, I'm going to assault you. That can't, that's anarchy. And uh, I think that no matter which side you're on, and I'm, look, I'm, I'm uh, if anyone who knows me will know that I have a lot of criticisms for Mr. Trudeau, but he didn't deserve to have rocks thrown at him. And that's not the way you express, express your political views. Oh, for, for sure. Look, it's, uh, you know, I, I can remember uh, another election where uh, uh, a leader, and I think it was uh, Stockwell Day, had uh, chocolate milk throwing uh, thrown at him. Uh, you know, a uh, little bit less uh, uh, impactful than uh, uh, than rocks being thrown at somebody. But I don't know. Chocolate milk could be a weapon too. Well, it'll leave a stain. Uh, <laughs> you know, cause you to go to the dry cleaners certainly uh, more than uh, rocks would. But uh, rocks, uh, you know. We, we, we don't have uh, stone throwing as a uh, punishment uh, in, in our uh, uh, penal system. So let he who is out sin throw the first piece of gravel. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know, it's, uh, uh, it was, it's an interesting argument uh, uh, that uh, Prime Minister Trudeau made in, in terms of, um, you know, the political argument in, in terms of quashing the uh, subpoena. Uh, and, and I'm going to kind of segue, Gavin, into we... Uh, had a subpoena issued uh, to Premier Ford uh, when they were doing the Emergency uh, Act review. And that, too, was politically charged, really, in terms of we want Premier Ford and uh, uh, the Attorney General or Solicitor General of Ontario to give evidence uh, at this inquiry into the Emergencies Act. And, you know, Prime Minister Trudeau, in in the case of the rock-throwing incident or gravel-throwing incident, relied on this concept of parliamentary privilege. And it's the exact same concept uh, or doctrine that uh, Premier Ford and Sylvia Jones relied upon to say, look, we're not showing up at the inquiry. And so there's, you know, uh, while one side says, okay, I'm not showing up in a criminal trial because... Uh, you know, the subpoena's political, that's the very same side issues or causes to be issued a summons uh, for the exact same purpose. Yeah, it's interesting when, uh, when, when one party is getting the casting call for the theater, uh, they resist it with that. But when they're giving the casting call, um, uh, they they don't particularly like it, and I, can't, I think, but I think it comes down to the same point again: is this effort to use a judicial or or in in the case of the Emergencies Act inquiry, I guess quasi judicial type process to achieve a political purpose? I mean, what was the evidence that the province or a provincial official was going to give as to why the federal government invoked the Emergencies Act? I mean, what what was the relevant issue that they would testify to. 
I'm I'm not sure, and and my understanding is that the Ontario government had given hundreds of documents uh, 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 to the inquiry, uh, and that uh, indeed bureaucrats were going to be testifying at the inquiry in terms of uh, Ontario's uh, reaction to this uh, Freedom Convoy uh, protest. Um, you know, which you know, as a reminder, you know, there was an occupation of uh, of uh, downtown Ottawa, uh, basically for a period of almost three weeks. And, you know, that really is a policing issue. It's a municipal issue more than it is a provincial uh, issue. Uh, City of Ottawa has its own police force. Uh, it's, it's not under the jurisdiction of the Ontario Provincial Police Force. And, you know, so again, what, what was the relevance other than okay, we can score some political points because we're trying to point the finger of blame uh, on another level of government. But it really, when, you know, gets back to uh, basics. I mean, there's a reason for a parliamentary privilege, and that is to protect our politicians from having to uh, appear answerable in courts of law uh, or even inquiries uh, for the decisions that they make or what they do. And that's a very long tradition. Um, you know, parliamentary privileges, I believe, are actually part of our constitutional law. And, uh, you know, so again, uh, it gets back to these things become so political and people don't understand it when they read it in the newspaper. Oh, yeah, Premier Ford is a bad guy. He doesn't want to give evidence because he's hiding something. That's not the case. It's he has a, a a very legitimate reason for not answering to a subpoena, and it's the same thing with uh, Prime Minister Trudeau uh, in this uh, uh, criminal case against the accused for the rock throwing, right? The naysayers of Prime Minister Trudeau, and there are a lot, you know, you know seventy percent of uh, voters uh, cast ballots in an election for the other parties, right? They are not voting for the Liberal Party. Prime Minister Trudeau's party, so there are, there's a lot of opposition. But, uh, you know, what we read in the media, media, oh, Prime Minister Trudeau's trying to avoid giving evidence. Well, there's actually legitimate reasons behind that. And when you dig deep into the law, as we're doing here, uh, uh, those are justified. And, and I think you're right. The court basically saw through the argument. Yes, I think when you when you look at it, you come back to some pretty uh, basic evidentiary principles which drove these decisions. Um, number one is relevance. Relevance has always got to be the, in my view, the number one consideration as to whether or not evidence is going to be admissible or taken in any proceeding. And I, uh, you know, on a, one of our our earlier episodes, I was going to say one of our earlier episodes, but there's only been one. So on our earlier episode. We talked about the uh, the fine interference of the National Enquirer into the affairs of uh, the extramarital affairs of Donald Trump, um, and the the National Enquirer standard of inquiring minds want to know is not the evidentiary admissibility standard. It has to be relevant to an actual issue that needs to be determined by the court. It has to be helpful to the court in terms of determining that issue, and. Just because, oh, well, I've got a platform now where I'm 
uh, it's possible for me to compel people to attend so that I can ask them all these questions because I really want to know for my other collateral purposes is not how the evidentiary process of a judicial system should work. And I come back to, again, another topic that we talked about in our uh, first episode, which is the administration of justice matters. The administration of justice matters because it is a cornerstone of any uh, proper democracy. When people lose faith in the administration of justice, they, they by definition, lose faith in the, in the democracy generally. It's one of the pillars of the democracy, and when it crumbles, the whole thing falls over. So the courts have a duty, in my mind, to jealously guard the process, to make sure that it is not only administered fairly, equitably, and impartially, but they need to appear to do so because the public's confidence needs to be maintained. And if people think that, oh, well, I'll just sue people so that I can get people in front of, uh, I get them in the witness box, and then I can grill them um, uh, for my own ends, and it doesn't advance the cause, that brings the administration of justice into disrepute. And I think in both instances where these subpoenas were quashed, the court did the right thing. Yeah, it, it really does. Uh, uh, look, our justice system is, uh, as you say, it's a cornerstone um, uh, of our democracy. And it's a democratic, it's, a, it's an institution uh, within our democracy, and it needs to be independent, and it needs to make uh, reasoned uh, decisions. You know, complementary to the uh, concept of relevance, uh, which is uh, extremely important when somebody uh, is being asked to be a witness, uh, is also necessity. Uh, you know, do, do they need to be a witness? Are they a necessary witness? You know, and uh, when we compare, you look at the uh, uh, subpoena issued to uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, he didn't need to be a necessary witness because everything was well documented. And in this day and age, you know, where everybody is a uh, camera person, Everybody, you know, basically has a cell phone. You know, you're taking out a cell phone and there is so much video evidence uh, that it's completely unnecessary for, uh, you know, certainly in, in the incident involving Prime Minister Trudeau, for him to have given evidence. That could have all been played by a video recording as to what happened. Uh, media was there. You know, they, they have better cameras than, a, you know, on an iPhone or some uh, 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 other kind of uh, phone. So, he right, so relevance, uh, uh, necessity, he didn't need to be there. And, and the same thing with uh, Premier Ford and uh, Sylvia Jones. There was no necessity for either of them to give evidence at the inquiry because, as I mentioned, uh, the government had handed over documents and the government was having bureaucrats uh, indeed testify at, uh, at that inquiry. So, and that's really the test, right? That's, that's the test of whether, uh, uh, somebody should be, or the admissibility of evidence is necessity and relevance, right? Th those are the, uh, two of the, uh, uh, key concepts, uh, uh, with respect to the admissibility of evidence. And I think that really guides our courts and our, you know, our courts do a good job, uh, quite frankly, in, in terms of, uh, uh, examining these issues uh, very closely. And, and I think, yeah, to their credit, they do do a good job. And examining those issues closely is important. And seeing what's really the real purpose of why something's being done, both on both sides of the of the equation, not only on the part of, in this particular instance, 
for example, the rock-throwing accused, why did he want to examine uh, the prime minister? Um, but also on the prosecution side. Um, and we, we talked about that in our first episode. Um, why are certain legal positions being taken? What is the real reason? What are we really talking about? Um, and when we start to analyze that, not sort of superficial, technical, uh, well, the rules say I can. There's a big difference in law, I think, between what you can do and what you should do. And that is one of the things that is lost uh, uh, sometimes is it's possible to do certain things, but oftentimes nobody thinks about why am I doing it? What am I trying to accomplish? And more importantly, perhaps, what is the consequence of that? What is the consequence of that to the public's perception of the administration of justice? What is the consequence of these types of things on public confidence in our democratic institutions? And these are the types of things that we'd like to talk about in future episodes. Uh, hopefully we'll get a little lighter uh, as we go on. Maybe the next episode we'll talk about some fun stuff like golf. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, it's golfing season now. The spring weather is here. The uh, grass is green. Uh, you know, the, there's not a heck of a lot of rain to uh, fill up the bunker where I usually hit a lot of golf balls. If we're going to talk about accuracy in golf shots, I can tell you that you better get somebody else to speak about it because I have none. Um, in any event, this has been our second episode of uh, our podcast with Beneath the Law. I'd like to thank you all very much, you specifically our listener, for uh, paying attention, hopefully being a little entertained, hopefully gaining a little insight uh, and information uh, that uh, helps you understand the legal process a little bit better. Uh, and it's been a real pleasure to talk to my friend and partner, Stephen Teal, about these issues. And we'll be back again with another episode. And always remember, if nobody is above the law, everyone is beneath it.